Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Week three, asking for a friend. Um, first two weeks, we covered what does leadership look like here at Avenue. Last week, we covered about what um, is the God of the Old Testament the same as the God of the New Testament, and he is good from beginning to end, and he will always be good. Uh, but sometimes the things that we go through in life are not good, right? Some of us have, <laughs> we laugh because we're on the other side of that, and we realize we can, we can make it through. And so, the question I'm going to ask today or answer today is, is why do bad things happen? And I actually changed my message about Monday or Tuesday because some of you guys are still sending in questions. Um, and so we had the questions, why do bad things happen? Um, and then also the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And we, we understand that. I was talking to one of my daughters this week, um, Thursday, Friday, and we were having, it's crazy how deep a conversation you can have with your kids and they can stump you, right? And so she's like, dad, I just, I, I wish like God would erase some of our, our bad memories so that we wouldn't have them anymore, right? And then she's like, you know, that would be a really, really good question is like, why does God allow bad things to happen when he knows, know they're going to happen? And I was like, well, guess what? We're going to answer that question this weekend. And they were like, score. <laughs> but that is a very real question, right? And, and sitting in this room, we know the answer to that for the most part, right? We understand it, but it's when we're in the middle of that bad situation, we forget the calmness of where we're sitting in a church service and where the music is hype and we feel the presence of God. But it's when we're in the valley that we are overshadowed by the peaks and everything that's going on. And, and, and we understand, like, if, if we look at life, um, we, we understand that good things happen and bad things happen. Um, maybe what we struggle to understand is we can't understand when good things happen to bad people. You read the Psalms, David is full of that, right? And we're okay with bad things happening to bad people, whether you admit it or not. As a matter of fact, you're probably wishing bad things would happen to some of the bad people, right? Who's to determine what's good and what's bad, right? That's where we fall short. But we're, we, we can justify that. I remember having a psychology teacher that I just could not stand. And the whole class felt the same way. And I was like, I just wish like we could just get a new teacher. Wasn't really wishing anything bad, but she wound up falling down the steps and breaking both of her arms <laughs> Guys, you know me. I was not at the top of the steps. <laughs> I was in class waiting on her to show up, <laughs> right? And then we got a new teacher that was way worse than the first teacher. <laughs> it's a Godsmack, right? And I remember being on the interstate taking a bunch of middle schoolers 
to uh, a conference, a weekend conference in Atlanta on the interstate in Atlanta, and this motorcycle just comes blasting by like he was a stunt double in an action movie. And I was like, that guy's going to get what's coming to him. A little bit later, we go down the road. He is off his motorcycle. It's like 50 yards down the road. And I'm feeling like, oh my God, he was standing up. Okay. He was okay. But I was just like, man, so we can justify that, right? But what happens when bad things happen to good people and it's, it's family members and we can't understand the car accident that took a life, the disabled family member, the random attack, the, the lives lost. And so let's, let's look at John chapter 16. And many of us may be familiar with this verse, right? Um, Jesus is getting to the end of his ministry and he's trying to prepare his disciples for his exit, which is, you know, a part of his plan. And, and he's giving them some promises here. And in verse 32, it says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving, and listen to this, and I'd never caught this until, leaving me alone. Jesus in this moment is understanding that there's, there's like he's, he's professing that you guys are going to abandon me and leave me alone. The weight of reading that for me was just like he's, he's expecting this to happen. He says, yet, and I love this, I am not alone because the Father is with me. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace where? In me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is a promise from God. That in, and, and it's not just a promise that we will have peace in the world, but our peace that we're to have is to be in him and him alone. And his promise to us is that, that I will be with you, take heart because I've overcome the world. He's saying, don't lose heart, but there's also another promise buried in there. And that promise is this, is that we will have troubles and trials of many kinds. That we will actually have, how many? Many. <laughs> he didn't tell us how many, but like life is going to be full at times of these trials and of these tribulations. And so when we look at all of God's promises, they are good, but this promise is also that we are going to have trials, we're going to have sorrows. And so the quick answer that most people go to immediately, and even in talking with my, my wife, she's like, well, that's, that's easy. The quick answer is we live in a fallen world. And so we suffer the effects of a fallen world. The bad things that happen are a result, top layer, and that we live within a fallen world. And you can read it in Genesis 1 and, and 2. All of creation was completely how? Perfect. God's relationship with man was completely perfect. And on the flip side, man's relationship with God was completely perfect. That all of creation was perfect until Adam and Eve sinned. And sin entered the world bringing with it death and destruction. A separation between God and man, between man and God. And, and Paul echoes this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. So you and I are not um, left out 
in the destruction and the death that comes not just from our sin, but also from Adam's sin. And that's not fair. How many of you say that's not fair? Like, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't eat the apple. I didn't eat the papaya, mango, whatever it was, right? Like, I didn't do that. I wasn't disobedient there. But no, but are we disobedient at other times, right? And so that's surface level. So when we look at natural disasters and growing up in our faith until we can have an understanding, we look at the floods, we look at the hurricanes, we look at the earthquakes, and, 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 and we ask, how, how could this happen? Why would God allow this to happen? Because we are suffering the effects of just a fallen world because of sin. And there is this forever conjoined condition and response, this effect and response between sin and suffering, that there will always be suffering as a result of the original sin, and there will always be suffering as a result of our sin, globally and also within our lives. I know I'm not getting a lot of amens right now. It's heavy, but I promise hope's coming, <laughs> okay? It's coming, is that we are suffering. And so I really like wrestled with this word suffer because I could use the word experience, but the word suffer is a verb and is to experience things that are bad. So I could say we experience the effects of a fallen world, but really at times we do suffer through it, right? That it is not an enjoyable experience and it is because of sin and suffering are connected and there's collateral damage as a result of it. And the second one is, is, is a little bit easier answer that, you know, in the church world, we can kind of throw this around a lot is that, is that we are suffering the attacks of an unseen enemy. That there is, I believe, there is such thing as spiritual attacks on individuals, on families, on churches, even on governments and countries and communities, that there is an unseen enemy who is still mad, who is still upset and still hasn't got the point that he is defeated and he cannot defeat our Lord, so he is attacking us to get to him. And we are just having to suffer through that. Jesus even says this. He says in John 10, 10, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. The thief has a purpose. The enemy has a purpose, and it is to steal, kill, and destroy all the good things that God has planned in your life and has for you, like, like all the peripheral good things. He can't destroy the best thing, which is salvation and which is restoration in relationship with him. He can't touch that. That is sealed, signed, and delivered, baby, right? There's no like breaking that. But what he can do is, is he can get us to take our eyes off the fulfillment of that promise and focus on all these other things that are going on that we lose focus on that. And so he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus even says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 should be on the screen, but I want to read verse 11 as well. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. So he has a strategy, a game plan for your life, for my life to combat and to compete against what God is wanting to do. And sometimes I think we underestimate that, but other times I'll talk about it in a minute. We also overestimate that. We give him a little more power and confidence than what he should have. 
He says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And so Paul is, is letting the church know like some of the stuff you're experiencing even when it's an individual and there's conflict between you and another person, that that is, could be an attack from the enemy working through that person, not in like a demonic like possession, anything like that, but sometimes God uses situations and relationship strain, or the enemy uses relationship strain and different things as an attack in an organization or a family. And so we're not just wrestling with the person in front of us that we see, but we're wrestling with the spirit behind that conflict. Does that make sense? We're wrestling with the spirit behind that, which is unseen. And, you know, Paul even goes on to tell the church at Corinth that that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Like he dresses up and can seem good, but but really his purpose is what? To kill, steal, and destroy. And not only does he do that, but it says that, 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 that his servants... Just as God has servants, Satan also has servants. And it says that they dress up as servants of righteousness. And he's talking about false prophets in the church. But at the same time, I believe like God or Satan also moves into the realms of relationships and families and and working environments in an unseen way. And so we have to understand that, that we suffer the effects of a fallen world, we suffer the effects of an unseen enemy. But sometimes, I believe, like there, there are very real attacks. If you are starting to take ground in in an area in your life or within your family, and you're starting to set some standards, and you're starting to pursue the things of God, that there will begin to be some things that happen that are consistent. Like it's like every time, like take a step forward, you feel like you get pushed back. It will happen in your finances. It will happen in your relationships. It can happen in your health. It can happen in other areas. Just as you're trying to pursue the things of God, you feel a pushback. You start pursuing reading. You start pursuing prayer. You start pursuing fasting. There will be an attack because what you're doing is you are moving forward in the kingdom of God and the enemy wants to push you back. And I know I've shared this story, but like when we decided that we were going to dig our heels here at Avenue and, and plant the church, because honestly, like there was, there was a season where I was like, all right, this isn't going to happen. I'm missing God. We're just going to move back to West Tennessee and I'm going to come groveling to my pastor and say, can I have my job back? Like, I'll be your, I'll be your nursery coordinator because I can't do this. This is too hard. But when we decided that, no, we're going to stay and we're going to start meeting with our, our launch team every Sunday. And we're just going to, we're going to worship. We're going to have a Devo and we're going to pray. And it was like that first Sunday, it was like all hell broke loose. <laughs> like from broken arms to concussions to sickness to busted tires to leaky like ceiling from the bathroom upstairs to like bounce checks to like all this stuff. It's just like one thing after another after another. And it like there was a point where I was like calling my like like my, my intercessors like you got to pray, you got to pray, you got to pray. Like I can't take this. And then it came a point where like literally we had these dehumidifiers in our kitchen with these 
these bags going up to the ceiling to draw out all the moisture. You know what I'm talking about? Because we had leaks and we had like plastic drop cloths over all of our furniture in the kitchen and it looked like something out of E.T. at the end of the movie. And I was just like, like the government's coming in and literally I was just walking around. I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> this is, and, and my fear was gone. I was like, this is just an attack from the enemy. And once I realized that, because Satan has no power over us when we realize that. I was like, all right, 10 toes down, let's go, right? And look where, like, look where we are today. Now, on the flip side of that, we can sometimes use Satan as a scapegoat for our stupidity. You run out of gas on the interstate, it's not Satan. <laughs> you just forgot to put gas in your car, right? It's stupidity. And so, yes, there, there are spiritual attacks, but in all reality, sometimes we just suffer the consequences of our bad choices. We suffer the consequences from our bad choices, which in turn, connected to the first part, we live in a fallen world, and sometimes we make choices out of our sin nature and out of our flesh than what we do out of following God's presence and not using wisdom, even if that's not putting gas in your car because you're trying to get somewhere on time and you're running late. Those are all bad choices, and we're suffering the consequences of those, right? And sometimes those bad things happen, and, and we, we see this probably like nowhere else except in, well, we see it everywhere, but it's extremely clear in Jonah chapter 1, and the reference is going to be on the screen, but I want you to go back and read it. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. And he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now, Jonah is receiving something that we all want. We want God to give us clear direction for what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to go. Like, like how many of us, we, we pray that God, just, just tell me what, what to do and I'll do it. Tell me where to go and I'll go there, but will you, <laughs> right? And so we see Jonah getting what we all want and despising that gift and not just staying where he's at because that's, that's one form of disobedience. That's the one I'm really good at, just the silent treatment and pretend I don't hear you, right? But he heard and he went in the complete opposite direction and we know how the story goes, right? It says, so he went in the opposite direction. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, which is just, I kind of play out veggie tales. It's like him going to a counter, buying a ticket. He, he bought one, please, you know, a <laughs> ticket to go on the boat. And it says that, that as he's leaving to escape from the Lord, Imagine that. God's given him a mission and a purpose, and he's trying to escape that. But we've all done that, right? To escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. And it says, the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Jonah is suffering consequences of a bad decision. And we've all suffered the consequences of a bad decision. You know, you're speeding, you get a ticket, overspending, there's debt. Over the course of time, bad health habits and eating habits later on in life lead to bad health. We fail to prioritize our relationships and our marriage and it becomes stale and it becomes 
empty and then later in life because we failed to choose to take care of that relationship. Later on in life, we may choose infidelity and we suffer the consequence of that. And here's, here's the scary thing, guys, that we have to understand is sometimes we think we can control the outcome. We think with us, it's going to be different. <laughs> Jonah probably thought I can get away with it and God will give me a mission later that I'll actually like and I'll do that one, right? How many times have we done that thinking, well, it's going to be different because I'm special and we are all special to God. Don't get me wrong on that, but his judgment is the same and consequences are the same for our actions. And so we're okay with that. We're okay at times understanding that we suffer consequences from our bad decisions. And what we have to do is we have to learn to take responsibility for our actions. But what about when we suffer the consequences of others' bad choices? That is harder to grapple. That is way more unfair than anything else, but it still goes all the way back to the first. We are in a fallen world and there's sin and suffering and they're conjoined. And so there are times when you and I, that we suffer the bad choices of others. And we see this even in Jonah's story, just to kind of start a little lighthearted. It says, then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reason. But because they were in the same boat as Jonah, they were in the same ocean as Jonah, the storm was in that ocean where they were at. They were suffering the consequences of Jonah's bad decision. Because he chose to run away from the Lord, the Lord sent the storm to Jonah was a consequence, but the others in the boat suffered the consequence. And this is hard for us to wrestle because sometimes we think sin and bad decisions doesn't affect anyone else but ourselves. But if you have any relationships with anybody else, at some point, those bad decisions are gonna affect other people. And it's not fair. And so when we look at this, like, like, like how, do we, how do we grapple with this? That's just the nature of sin. When I was in first grade, my grandmother was in a car wreck. Um, she, was, she was single, um, trying to rebuild her life. And looking back, she was probably just like around 50. But I thought she was like ancient, <laughs> right? It's so funny how your perspective changes when you get closer to it, right? And, and she was coming home from work with her and some of her coworkers. She was a nurse. Um, and it was about 1130 midnight. She was hit by a drunk driver. Um, she, she survived, um, but not after many weeks in the hospital, broken collarbone, broken ribs. She had to have reconstructive surgery on her knee. She had a cut from like her eye all the way down to her face, like to her mouth. And I remember going to see her and like her face is wrapped up. Like it was just like her eyes. It was almost like a mummy, just like, and, and the guy that was driving walked away with just a couple of scratches. Like, like he walked away. And my grandmother had to suffer the consequences of his bad decisions. That's not fair. But that's the world that we live in. 
And then I had to suffer the consequences because she came to live with us after she got out of the hospital. <laughs> and we had a new, like, I, I had a new baby sister, and it was a small house. So my grandmother, my mamma, that's what I called her, she slept with me. And that's the first time I'd ever been um, awakened in the middle of the night by snoring. And I was terrified. I was like, what is happening? It was like, like in between the snores, I would hear my goldfish jump like out of his bowl and back in. He was even terrified. Like this, this imagery and moment is just so like burned. And, and we joke about that. But the reality is, is that, that we hurt other people unintentionally by our bad decisions. And some of you in here, you know, and we've been hurt by other people's bad decisions. And even in this room, they're, you know, people that we talk to, we never really know what folks go through. And, you know, some of you very really may be victims of assault and abuse, whether it's physical, verbal, or sexual. And I can't imagine having to walk through that. And, and, and we ask why. Some of us have experienced, you know, abandonment either in marriage by our spouse or maybe even as a child growing up, we were left alone and, and we did nothing, but now we are suffering the consequences of their bad decisions. How do we, how do we reconcile that, guys? It is a heavy weight. Some of the stuff, yeah, but when we get to this one, how do we reconcile that? You didn't choose it. You weren't, you weren't given that option, but you were forced to live through it. And you know, I want us to go back just for a moment in this verse that we read earlier. It says, Jesus said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. And he says, I've told you all this so that you'll have peace in me. And so we're left in this moment at times saying, why, God, why? Or maybe years passed and we look back, it's like, God, why, why did this happen? And you're not alone in that. We look at the story of our Savior while he's on the cross, like breathing his last breath. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and, and we see this from, from two different perspectives is that he is quoting Psalm 22, referencing a prophet, but also declaring what he's feeling and experiencing in that moment. Why? Like he's been abandoned, even though he knew that was going to happen. He's experienced it. Scripture is very clear that, that our Savior, our great high priest has experienced everything that you and I could ever imagine experiencing. And it is because of that we can come boldly to him at any time. And so when we look at, at this, the quick answer, why do bad things happen? We live in a fallen world. But the better answer, and I enjoy doing this, like there's an there's a answer and there's a better answer. The better answer is actually way more difficult, is knowing why something bad happened is not as important as how we respond to it. Knowing why something bad happened is not as important as how you and I respond to it. And you read the Old Testament and, and, and you read through the stories of the Old Testament and, and we read things like consider it pure joy when you run into problems of many kinds because it tests our faith. Our endurance is built up. We are strengthened. We are perfected in that. I don't, I don't, I don't like that but that's a response that we can have. Paul even says this about everything that he goes through. And if you know, like he's beaten, he's arrested, he's left for dead, he's shipwrecked, he's, you know, 
floating in an ocean. He's bit by a snake, all this. And, and he has the audacity to say these light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that we experience. And something that we quote here all the times is Romans 8, 28, and just believing that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. None of those are answering the question to why. It doesn't, it doesn't give us an answer to why. Because here's, here's the reason. Knowing why doesn't undo the bad. That's the reality to it. Look, I've, I've prayed for my dad and I prayed for my father-in-law both to be healed with cancer and that prayer wasn't answered. That was a bad thing. Why? It was so young. 60 and 63, that's so young. Why? Even if I get the answer, it doesn't change what happened. It doesn't undo that. But how we respond can give glory to God, can glorify God, and it can give that bad new purpose. It can give that moment new purpose in our life. And what the, in the Old Testament, Joseph says, what the enemy meant for bad, God has used it for good. So we, knowing why doesn't undo it, but how, how we respond gives that new purpose and it can potentially give God glory. And so when we're going through, even though it's a falling, fallen world, we just lean in and we just trust God. It's not all making sense. I can't make sense of it, but we're just gonna lean in and we're gonna trust God. We're gonna believe that even though we are suffering the attacks of an unseen enemy, we will stand on the truth that our enemy is defeated. And when we're suffering consequences because of our bad decisions, we just lean in with humility and surrender. <laughs> like, yeah, I screwed up. Now let's get through this. But then when we're suffering the effects of others, we have to walk in forgiveness and don't allow that event to hold you hostage. And I know church, I know family, like some, I've been held hostage. It's way easier said than done. But it can't go back and undo the bad that's already been done. It can only help project us and move us forward into what God has for us. And so Paul says this in Romans 8 as, as we kind of wrap up several passages of scripture, but I just want you to lean in and listen. It says, and since we are his children, we are God's children. We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs to God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in suffering, in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory of what he will reveal to us later for all of creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation, this fallen world was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time, even right now. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit, that we groan in these bad times. The Holy Spirit within us is a foretaste, just a taste of our future glory. 
For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering here. And we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he promised. But verse 24, for those of us who were saved, it says we were given this hope when we were saved. And so even in the bad, we have a hope because of our salvation. Even in the struggles, we have a hope because of our salvation. Even in the disappointment, we have a hope in a savior. Even in our like not liking it, even in our not getting an answer of why, we have a hope in a savior. And, and, and Paul tells us in Hebrews that, that that hope is an anchor for our souls. And no didn't get the answer that you probably wanted for why do bad things happen but it's the answer that we all need when we're in the midst of it. it's like I don't like it but I'm going to lean in and I'm going to trust God and I'm going to just keep looking at him and pointing at him and know that if I trust him with it he gives purpose to it and so we've all experienced some of you may be right now in the midst of it in the middle of it I want you to know God has purpose for it he didn't cause it. He didn't start it. Sin and suffering brought it. But he can take it and, and repurpose it if we walk through trusting him. And maybe it's something that's in the past that you're just kind of, there's, there's a long shadow to it. I want you to be free from it so that you can walk into the goodness that God has for you. So with every head bowed, I just want to pray for us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I know that you're in here. <laughs> but there are some of you in here that you're, you're in that moment right now. You're in the bad and you're asking why. I want to challenge you to lean in. Don't just ask why, just trust. And maybe you're still stuck in a past something. Pray that the Holy Spirit just begins to sever that tie that anchor to something in the past that's holding you back holding you down that that tie is severed and torn and that your new anchor is hidden as scripture says behind the curtain in Christ and the work that he's done and if there's anyone here today that does not have a relationship with Christ the hope that we're talking about is yours when you are saved and you're walking in relationship with him and so father I just come to you this morning and I thank you God, I thank you for your presence in our lives, not just here on a Sunday morning, but just walking with us and in us and through us and strengthening us even in ways that we don't realize and understand and in the good times and even in the bad. And God, those that are here today and they're walking through just that season of bad. There's so many descriptions that we could give, but that season is just bad. It's not good, but we trust that you can use it for good. We don't want to give the enemy any more um, credit than what he deserves, but God, let us be mindful and aware of, of his plans and his schemes. God, let us offer forgiveness where it's needed. God, let us bring humility and surrender when it's needed so that we can walk in freedom and in hope. 
and in purpose of what you've called us to. And God, if there's anyone in here that does not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that just as I'm praying, they're, they're talking with you and they're, they're coming into relationship, God, or maybe they're coming back into relationship by simply just taking a moment of surrender and saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I accept the work that you've done. Forgive me. I give my life to you. God, I pray that they just live in full surrender from this moment on, that all the guilt and shame that brought them to this moment, God, the conviction that led them here will be um, covered and there's no condemnation. But they're walking in the truth and the light of, um, God, just your freedom. And we thank you for this word and we thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.